Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Well, hey, turn in God's Word, if you would, to 1 John chapter 3. Sorry, chapter 4. If I just know the chapter I'm preaching out of, we'll be off to a good start. 1 John chapter 4, um, and if you don't have a copy of God's Word in front of you, you can grab it in the chair in front of you and uh, be able to follow along there. 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, and you can either follow along in your copy of God's Word or on the screen. This is what the Word of God says. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That's the word of God. And today we're going to talk about this topic of discernment. Discernment. I don't know if that's a common word that we use in everyday language, but I think we all do it every single day, whether you think about it or not, right? What snacks do the kids need on the long car ride to wherever you're going, right? Is it the goldfish or the pretzels, right? So you're just discerning what you might need to get there. or How or when do you have that hard conversation with that person that you got to talk to? It's like, how do I approach it? When do I approach it? When will be the best time? Or what route to take to work? What is most efficient? Right? Discerning these things. Discerning whether or not it's worthy to respond on Facebook. Rule of thumb, it's probably not. Okay? More people need to hear that. Probably not worth responding to on Facebook. But we all, dis- we all discern things. Whether you think that you are or not, we're just constantly weighing out the pros and the cons and considering the benefits and the just being critical thinkers as we should be. But more important than all of those things that I just lift- listed out, we should be discerning. You should be discerning regarding what is right and what is wrong about God and the Bible. You should be constantly discerning as you take things in, as you hear things, as you see things, discerning, is that from God? Is that according to what God says? We're always needing to be discerning. And that's what really John is just writing about, to tell what is from God and what is from the Antichrist or false teachers, what is from the world and what is from the Spirit of God. And how do we weigh out which is which? 
Now, let's read this in context. Okay, this is really important to read in context, as Shelley already mentioned. But John is giving a really long talk about Christian love. Big picture, okay? Let's fly up 40,000 feet, look at the book, and there's a really long talk about love. The second half of chapter 3 is all about brotherly Christian love. End of chapter 3. And then, from verses 7 onward in chapter 4, you have all this talk about Christian and brotherly love. So, end of chapter 3 and most of chapter 4, all about brotherly love. And then right in the middle there, the first six verses of chapter 4, he's talking about discernment of truth. It's really important to notice that, I think, that he takes a break from talking about what brotherly love is to talk about how we should discern truth, what is right and wrong. And I think you and I can just take a simple lesson from that. Before we walk through the first six verses of chapter four, let's just learn from that, that in the context of talking about love, he says, pump the brakes, guys. We've got to talk about being wise here. I think we learn that our brotherly love in Christianity must coincide with discerning truth. It's not just a free-for-all, open-ended acceptance. That's not brotherly Christian love. Anyone that were to tell you, yes, that is what love is, just free-for-all, all accepting. If you're not accepting, you're not loving. That's actually who John's warning you about right here. Because he's talking about brotherly love, and then he pumps the brakes and says, but be wise. Be discerning. And so that's what we're going to consider this morning. Looking at verse 1, you can see the primary command there. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Just don't believe everything you hear. Christians shouldn't be the ones that get the rep for being gullible or easily tricked. Simpletons, right? That, that is not Christians. Christians are to be wise and discerning. Think about, have you ever seen, uh, if you're on like social media and stuff, the viral video that went around for a while there just recently about where um, somebody would be recording them talking to one of their loved ones, a friend or a family member, and they, they tell them, hey, did you hear so-and-so died? And they didn't really, but, and no, what? Are you serious? And they, they, and it's just somebody that their loved one loves and adores or something. So like, for example, I, I saw one where someone said, did you know Donald Trump just died? Mom, did you see that? It's breaking news. It's like, no, you know, just going crazy that, uh, that he, or Oprah, that's a big one that I see all over the internet. It's like, um, they're recording and mom doesn't know that they're recording. You know, you give a big give a big response like, oh no, oh no. And mom's like, what, what, what? Mom, Oprah died. And of course that just crumbles mom to tears or um, I'm trying to think of other ones. Beyonce was another one. And, and what we see there is just how gullible somebody is and just how openly they will accept whatever they're told. No discernment, no critical thinking, no digging into it to kind of See if, that's some, if there's some truth behind that. It's just take it at face value. And sometimes when that's you, you can be taken advantage of by other people. 
John says, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, test every message. That's the next part that he says. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Be discerning. And that means that nothing gets passed or gets a pass on being tested. Okay? Nothing gets a pass on being thought about critically. Nothing is exempt from examination. No person, no pastor, no belief system, no denomination, no mentor of yours, no spouse, no best friend, no historical doctrines or historical figure, on and on and on, no revival that's going on at a university. She just wholesale receive acceptance from discerning Christians, right? We should not be blindly accepting, but discerning with our acceptance. He says, don't believe everything. Instead, test everything. And there's one big reason why, because there are a lot of false teachers out there. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many. Let me say the word again. Many have gone out into the world. And that wasn't just true for John. It's true for us today. Do you know that multiple times in the Bible, Old and New Testament, you see false prophets named? False teachers named. Paul names people in his context at his time. Hermogenes was a guy that he warned Timothy about. He said, Timothy, I know there's a guy in your area, Hermogenes, that you need to be careful of. And Paul wasn't too concerned about Hermogenes' reputation for that's been written down in black ink for the last 2,000 years to watch out for that guy. But Paul cared more about the protection of the sheep than the protection of a wolf's reputation. And even John, we're reading First John right now, even in the Johannine epistles is what it's called, the John's letters, we see John also warns his people of a false teacher. Diotrephes in third John. John names him in this third third letter. He says, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who liked to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. He's talking, talking about apostolic authority as an apostle. He doesn't recognize our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. I think John would be censored today. How dare you talk bad about an individual? Be kind, John. Why would they name names? Put it in ink. Well, because good shepherds protect their sheep. And choosing to be kind to the wolf at the expense of the sheep's protection is not being a good shepherd, is it? Like, I just really want to be nice. That's, you know, that's one of God's creations too. So let's be nice to the wolf. Let him do what he has to do. No, a good shepherd protects the sheep and doesn't prioritize the wolf's reputation. And so that's what John did. And that's what 
Paul does, and that's what I should do, and that's what you should do. When you warn your friends, if they say, yeah, I love listening to so-and-so, and you know about so-and-so. To go to 1 John 4.1 and say, don't believe everything they say, but test everything they say, for there's a lot of false prophets out there. And so you should know there's a lot of false teachers out today with really big platforms in our day today, in our nation that you should be careful of. There's a lot of them that would teach or affirm the health and wealth. If you've ever heard that gospel. That if you have enough faith, if you believe in Jesus, you can expect to be healthy and wealthy. Because God gives good gifts to his people. And hand in hand with the health and wealth gospel, false gospel, is this name and claim it teaching. As long as you have enough faith, you name it and you claim it in the name of Jesus. And it's yours. And if it's not yours, you just don't have enough faith. You ever heard that? It's a false teaching from false teachers. There's a lot of people that would teach that. Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Meyer, Bill Johnson at Bethel. It's a really big name. Paula White, Joel Osteen. And I mention these names because I don't think they're removed from our context. Can I just say that? Yeah, they don't live in Bethany, but they have influence in Bethany. Kenneth Copeland is accepted by some friends of ours in Bethany area at Lone Star. And maybe you have friends there, and it's not like I'm trying to name names and, and get in competition. It's just we have to protect the church from false teachings, especially even if it's our friends talking about it. And I don't want to just name one particular church that has some that like that. I think it might even be in our church, right? Joyce Meyer has a lot of women's Bible studies that a lot of women study. Bethel music is sung in most churches. Again, I don't say this as an attack if you were to follow any of those individuals, but as a protection so that you won't. That's all. And aside from the health and wealth or name it and claim it, teachings that have made its way into our area, there's many concerning individuals that have really big platforms that are just well-known and bad theology. Two you might be following, Andy Stanley and Stephen Furtick. Stephen Furtick, aside from partnering with Joel Osteen, T.D. Jakes, Joyce Meyer, personally teaches undeniably bad theology. As your shepherd, I would tell you that. This concept that God doesn't change you into something new, but just reveals to you who you've been all along. Okay, rejecting this concept of new birth, new creation, heart transformation, heart of stone turned to heart of flesh, That's all demolished with that theology. Andy Stanley would teach that the Old Testament is unessential, that we should unhitch from it. During COVID, he says that gathering as a church is not a biblical command. It's unessential. Recently compromising and not firm on the topic of homosexuality. And look, if you're upset and you're like, I can't. I'm getting red in the face, veins popping out in the neck. He's talking about my guy. 
Let me just say two things, if that's any of those are your guy or your gal. The Bible calls you to seriously discern if listening to them is spiritually good for you, and no one is exempt. No one is exempt from that. So I would just encourage you, be discerning as you listen to who you listen to. And I would also say there are plenty of solid teachers and songwriters, so you don't have to compromise on what you take in. You don't. You don't. I like this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. So many heresies that pass the smell test. You're like, yeah, I think so. But it's actually rotten. It's not like it's explicitly wrong or else no one would follow them. It's almost right. So a lot of people follow them. Because a lot of people aren't discerning and they just accept it. And maybe you're like, well, now I don't know what to do because I've, I listen to some of these. So now I, I, who do I listen to? How do I discern what to listen to or what to take in? Well, John keeps going and we can follow God's word in that. Two ways that we can discern who to listen to. I would say, and here's your two points. Pay attention to what is being said and who is listening to it. What is being said and who is listening to it. That's not my advice, that's John's through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let's read verses 2 and 3 again in 1 John 4. It says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Firstly, pay attention to what is being said. What is being said? And an obvious disclaimer would be that this requires that you know your Bible so that you can judge what is being said according to what is right. To know what is being said, if it's right or wrong, you have to know the Bible. And so that, that puts you and me up to a really big challenge. To daily study our word, to get into it, to know it, front and back. And when we don't always know all the answers, because we won't, to surround ourselves with others who also know the word of God and who love the word of God. It starts in the family, guys. So, prioritizing family devotions. Family discipleship. Because kids are also being faced with what is right and what is wrong. And they can't, discern, they can't discern a fake if they don't know what's the truth. So it starts with family devotions, family discipleship, personal devotions. I'd encourage you, family catechism. That teaches good theology in a memorizable way. Let's just honestly consider, can we? How do you or how do I expect for our families to not be led astray if we can't tell them what's right or what's wrong. If we can't say, well, well, let's pump the brakes here. I feel like something's off. See, there's many false teachings. Not just false teachers, there are many false teachings out there. Regarding the Trinity, 
It kind of seems right, but it's wrong. False teachings about how we're saved. Teachings that we're saved by works. We're just doing more good than bad. You're saved by having good intentions. You might not have been the greatest guy, but you really sure had a good heart and you meant well. Or being saved universally by Jesus because Jesus paid it all and all received it and all will see Jesus in glory one day. There's false teachings about how we're saved. There's false teachings about human nature that we're not all inherently evil from birth. There's false teachings encouraging the acceptance of sins which are socially acceptable. And if you weren't to join in with that, you're a bigot. There's false teachings that come with shaming and slandering as a ploy to get you to accept them. Here, verses 2 and 3, John says that one thing that can be said, which is a clear red flag, is what they say regarding Jesus. What they say regarding Jesus. You see, any teacher that's from God or the spirit which is from God gets Jesus right. Elsewhere, we know in the Bible that godly teachers will affirm that Jesus is divine, that he's fully God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here, John isn't focusing on how you need to get the divinity of Jesus right, but rather the humanity of Jesus right. And that godly teachers, or people that have the Spirit of God in them, will affirm the entire humanity of Jesus, that he was born in the flesh, born of a woman, lived a life, felt pain and suffering like you and I do, the practical realities of life that died a real death, that rose a bodily resurrection. And false teachers get Jesus wrong. Many false teachers get Jesus' humanity wrong. You think, honestly, Isaac, are we nitpicking here, though? Like they love Jesus. No, they love their version of Jesus. Well, they see Jesus as God. That's good enough, right? It's not. And you say, well, Isaac, that's maybe just your lobby horse. Isaac, that is your soapbox. But it's really, in the grand scheme of things, splitting hairs. Now, think about this. If Jesus isn't human, he's not an adequate substitution for your sins, and therefore you aren't saved. Nobody is. Jesus must be human to die for humans. Let's look at Galatians chapter 4 for one second. Verse 4, it says, But when this fullness of time had come, God sent his son, sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. That's key. He was born human under the law. Why? To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. You might feel like it's splitting hairs to divide over whether or not Jesus was human. But it's essential because if Jesus wasn't born under the law, he didn't accomplish the law. And if the law isn't accomplished, you're in your sins and I'm in my sins. Godly teachers get Jesus' humanity right. 
false teachers, if we're going back to the text, don't. And that's a big deal. So John commands here to the church to be alert of evil teachings. Be alert of evil teachings. What they say matters. But I just want to say, he encourages you here because you're like, man, I don't know, though. That means I have to know a whole lot of theology. Well, that's true. We should study and care about theology. But I think John also gives an encouragement here at this point because it might feel a little daunting to you. Like, I don't know if I'll catch out all the wrong teachings. Well, John encourages you, if you're a born-again believer, that you do have what it takes to identify and catch false teachings as they would come your way. You do. You have what it takes. You do. So you can breathe. First, you have the church, but beyond that, you have the Spirit of God abiding within you, the Spirit of truth. That's what he says in verse 4. He says, little children, you are from God. Listen, you've overcome them. And the them there is the false teachers, the false prophets that have gone out into the world. He says, you've already overcome them, guys. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So breathe a sigh of relief that you've got him who is in you, which John has already identified earlier in chapter 3 as the spirit of truth abiding within you. And the spirit of truth guides our discernment who is greater than he who is in the world. It's not just up to your own intellect that you can just keep it all stored up in here and filed all the right ways. You have the spirit of truth abiding in you, guiding you, that you might discern according to God what is right or wrong. And to even add to that, he gives you one another to lean on and to utilize. By God's spirit, you can see through false teachings and call it out. So, how will you discern? Firstly, pay attention to what is being said and discern it according to the spirit of God within you. But secondly, pay attention to who is listening. Pay attention to who is listening. Let me read the last two verses here. He says, they are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. I lost my place. And the world listens to them. Verse 6, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Oh, okay. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know that the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Pay attention to who's listening. When Sarah and I went uh, to Minneapolis sometime a few months ago, it's just kind of a getaway for Sarah and I, um, left Judah it was glorious, but um, for, for Nana and Papa, because they were able to enjoy time with them. That's what I meant. Um, it was painstaking for Sarah and I, or Sarah. <laughs> but no, so Sarah and I go to Minneapolis recently, and when we went there, I was like, I'm going to give Sarah a really good gift, um, because I'm you know, that guy, I'm that husband. And so I um, bought her uh, tickets to Jesse McCartney concert. Two of them. Yes, I was going to sit with her through that. And so I got her Jesse McCartney tickets. And I'm like, hey, babe, you won't believe what we're doing tonight. Get dressed up. We're going to see Jesse McCartney. And she's just over the top excited. So we get dressed up and we go and we're like there early waiting in line. And we're just sitting there waiting and waiting and people start showing up. And line's probably like 100 people long, okay, outside. And I start to kind of like do inventory of who's standing there. And it's, okay, 
I don't want to generalize here, but I'd say the average age was about 68. Or, um, we could even lowball and say 60. And it was all men, largely. Like, hey, babe, when was Jesse McCartney's prime? Um, and she goes, oh, I don't know. You know, I mean, when I was a little girl, and I was like, hmm, okay, well. Um, uh, can we check our tickets? <laughs> Just uh, maybe we're at the wrong building. I came to realize that, uh, yeah, I bought the tickets for the night before, and Jesse is already long gone. <laughs> so uh, we happen to be standing in line for the 50-year anniversary of Survivor, though, <laughs> and they were sold out, so we were out of luck. Yeah. Don't just pay attention to what is being taught. Pay attention to who's listening. Okay, who's, who's standing there? It was very helpful for me to pay attention to who's there listening. I don't think Sarah's still gotten over that. So, Okay, back to the text. Um, so verse 5 is teaching us that how you identify a false teacher is pay attention to their crowd. Yeah, pay attention to the crowd. The world is listening to them. That's what he says. They are from the world. That's the false teachers, the false prophets that have gone out in the world. They're from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world soaks it up. The world loves it. Massive crowds flock from the world to these evil teachers. It's false teachers. And now, I don't want you to take that and say, well, see, Isaac's all against these big crowd churches, these mega churches. No, 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 no. There are some solid, amazing big churches. Okay, this is not at all against big churches, which some of them have thousands and thousands of people in one location each Sunday, and they're receiving solid teachings from God's word. And this isn't about how big is the crowd, well, then it's an evil church. No, 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 no. All I'm saying is there's no wonder why Joel Osteen's church used to be an NBA stadium, right? There's no wonder that he had to buy out the Houston stadium for his crowd. That's all I'm saying. The world loves to hear their teachers that will, as the Bible says, tickle their ears. It'll give them something enjoyable to think about encourage them with. They love what they're being told. And so let's just draw a general lesson from that, is that big crowds and big movements do not automatically mean God is among them. Okay? Just because it's a big crowd and it's getting a lot of hype, it's going viral, does not automatically mean it's from God. It doesn't. Again, I've already given you one Spurgeon quote, um, but you can't have too many. I love this from Spurgeon. It says, do not go where it's all fine music, grand talk, and beautiful architecture. Go where the gospel is preached and go often. Don't follow the crowds. Oftentimes that leads you astray. Pay attention to who's listening. Not only does the world listen to the world's teachers, but you can identify a godly teacher by who's listening as well. Because God's people that are convictional about the word of God and they don't stray or conform to the world, they flock to Bible teaching and Bible teachers. 
That's what verse 6 says. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God, he's talking apostolically. We, as in we are the apostles, we the leaders that God has appointed, we're from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. <clears throat> John says earlier in chapter 3, verse 13, he says, Don't be surprised, children, when the world hates you. Remember that? Really encouraging verse. He says, don't be surprised when the world hates you. Why? Because the world's going to hate what you have to say. The world hates what you stand for. Now he's saying that biblically faithful teachers specifically will not be liked by the world. Not just all Christians, but specifically the ones who stand up and herald the truth with a microphone will specifically not be listened and will be canceled by the world. The only way that somebody can go from loving what worldly teachers have to say and begin to love what Bible teachers have to say is only a work of God. Can I just say that? It's only by God transforming your heart that you might come from loving what a false teacher has to say as they encourage you with all the falsehoods of the world. And you start to hate that, actually. You start to feel like, You've deceived me. You've lied to me. You've led me astray. And you start to actually love what godly teachers have to say. It's only by the work of God in your heart, transforming your heart and making you new. And if that, if that isn't you today, I presume maybe there are those individuals in this room. You actually hate what maybe I have to say today or what I have had to say in the past or what other teachers have to say because God hasn't transformed your heart to love and adore his commandments. I'm going to pray for you here in a minute, but I would encourage you to pray for yourself. We are all praying that God would do a great work in your heart, whoever you are. Pray that God would open your ears to hear, that God would open your heart, open your eyes to see, to love the gospel. And there will be people up here that would love to talk with you if that's you. To love to talk with you and pray with you and encourage you. But church, let's be a church who's not easily won over and gullible. Not simple people. Not quick to accept the next exciting and appealing teaching. But let's be discerning of all that we hear, all that we see, and all that we listen to. We do have God's spirit in us, the spirit of truth that we can discern wisely according to the spirit of truth in us, what is right and what is wrong. And then let's point people to that, all right? Let's point people to God's word because that's where freedom is, amen? Real freedom is in the truth of the gospel. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com. 